are good. I'll just sing you into your seats. I sing you are good. You are good to me. Give you a few moments. Grab your seat. Every day gets sweeter. Every day gets better. All right. Well, welcome Life Church to our Easter Sunday service. And we are so glad that everybody is here this morning. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor along with my wife, Tanya, and we serve alongside of pastors Mike and Ev here at Life Church. And it is our joy and our pleasure to do that, to glorify God in that way. And uh, we are so excited that you're here with us today. I'm seeing a lot of familiar faces. I'm seeing some unfamiliar faces here this morning. So just so you know a little bit about me, um, I am six foot four and a half. I'm just a tad over 200, but you know, don't, don't judge me. It's all good. When I, when I wasn't, it was scary, okay? So this is good. Um, and along those lanes, uh, lines, I am a burger aficionado. I love a good burger. The most recent tip for you guys, Squamish. Flipside Burgers, pretty awesome. Uh, also, I'm a diehard Canucks fan. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to stop right there with that. Uh, but uh, no, and, and I love Jesus. I'm a radical lover of Jesus and a follower of him. And again, this morning, I'm so uh, grateful and honored to be able to share a word with you uh, to remind us about why we're here today. You guys, we're going to get through this quite quickly, but this morning my message is entitled, Dare to Hope. Somebody say, Dare to Hope. The message is entitled, Dare to Hope. And what we're going to do is we're going to read the passage of Scripture, then I'm going to kind of unpack some ideas and some thoughts from that today. And then you guys, we're going to go out in that lobby and we're going to have a great time. we got coffee and bubbly and chips and donuts and all sorts of treats for everybody. And uh, we're so grateful, again, that we can gather together this morning to encourage each other to be together and to celebrate our risen Savior. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Matthew chapter 28. We're going to dive right into this. Dare to hope. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, I've got it up there for you in the New King James Version. And we're reading from verses 1 through verse 10. Then I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to preach. And then we are going to celebrate. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came, held him by the feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to glorify you and magnify you. Father, we pray that you would come and move in this place. We thank you that there's no accidents here this morning, God, but you've called each one. And Father, we pray that you'll meet with us, Lord Jesus. I pray you'd help me to get out of the way so that your presence can flow in this place and move in this place, Lord Jesus. We thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and will divide between the soul and the spirit, discerning to the intents of the heart. And we pray this morning that your word would accomplish what it is set out to do and it would not return void. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, hey, let me just bring you up to speed. For those of you who maybe are new to church, trying to figure out what's going on here, kind of what's happening, or, or maybe those that missed last week, um, we're in a week right now that we call Holy Week. Uh, we're just at the end of it, actually, on our, our, our Resurrection Sunday. And last week, we celebrated the fact that Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And we call that time the triumphant entry. And Jesus comes in Jerusalem. The people gather around him. They lay down their coats before him. They pull out palm branches. And they're waving him. And they're singing out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they're glorifying God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they say. And then afterwards, Jesus goes and he, he goes over to the temple. And the Bible tells us that he, he cleanses the temple. He turns over some tables and he kind of rearranges some things in the temple. And then uh, as we go throughout the week, there's a number of things that happen. One of them is you might see uh, the Last Supper where all the disciples gather together and they have their last meal together. And they call it the Last Supper because what is about to happen next. See, after that, they would go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus would be, uh, he would be arrested by the Roman guards. He'd be taken in and he would be tried. And then they would crucify him. They would find him guilty and they would take him and they would crucify him and he would die. And on Friday he would die and on that day he would be buried in the tomb. But three days later, Three days later, we celebrate that today. Jesus rose from the dead. Come on. And we read it this morning here in the scriptures in Matthew 28. And as I was reading through this particular passage, there was something that kind of stood out to me that kind of grabbed me. See, this is the story of Mary Magdalene and the other Mary that come to the tomb to prepare the body. Now, this was a very typical thing that they would have done in those days. Uh, after the body had gone into the tomb, they would have gone and taken some spices and some herbs and things, and they would have prepared the body so that it didn't stink so much. But because of the timing of these events, they were unable to do it until the Sunday morning. So these two women are heading out towards the tomb. Now, everybody knew, I'm sure, that at that time that when the tomb, when Jesus had been put into the tomb, they had sealed that tomb with a, a large stone. And so undoubtedly they were wondering, how are we going to get inside to see Jesus? And the tomb is covered with this large stone. And as they arrive at the temple, the Bible tells us that there is a great earthquake. And an angel of the Lord descends from heaven and rolls back the stone. Now, the Romans had left some, some soldiers there because there was a rumor flying around that there might be some disciples coming to steal the body. And the soldiers, it said, were so afraid that they fell like debt to the ground. And Mary and the other Mary come, and, and they arrive there, and they're, they're shocked, and they're afraid. And the, the response of the angel is, do not be afraid. He says, I know what you seek. You seek Jesus who is crucified, but I want to tell you, he's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. So they did it. And he says, now go tell the disciples. And this is what it says in verse 8. So they went out quickly from the tomb, 
with fear and great joy. Now, I don't know about you, but that stood out to me. You don't often hear those two words in the same sentence. Fear and joy. So they went out with fear and great joy. I don't know, to me, it seems like these are conflicting emotions. Like there's something strange that's going on here. And I was puzzling over this and I was thinking about it. And I thought, well, that's, that's such a strange idea. That the idea of, of fear and joy. There's so much conflict there. And, and what are they talking about until I remembered the first time that I went on a real roller coaster? See, I would have been about 13, 14 at the time. And my, my dad and my mom took us down to California. And we went to a place called Six Flags in Valencia, California. Anybody ever been there before? Magic Mountain. And this is my first introduction to real roller coasters. I'm not talking about like, you know, the little roller coasters that go kind of dipsy-doo and all this sort of thing. No, no, these are like roller coasters. Like at that time, they had the highest vertical loop uh, in the world in that particular park. And so we go in there and I'm trying to be all cool. You know, I'm like 13, 14. I'm like, yeah, I can handle this. And then my little brother, Marcus, who's two years younger than me, is like, just frothing at the mouth. He's like so pumped. He's like, let's go. Let's do that one. Let's do that one. And I'm trying to be all cool. I'm like, hey, why don't we do, there's like one that had like one loop. It was called the revolution. I'm like, why don't we just like do the revolution? That, that seems really cool. He's like, yeah, okay. And I'm trying to like work my way up. So we do the revolution. We do the loop. I'm like, okay, I survived. I'm okay. I'm feeling good. I'm like, let's go do Batman. And Batman, for those of you who don't know, is a roller coaster that is suspended right? And so you're not actually sitting in the, in the seats. You're actually hanging from the seats. And the track is above you. It's so your feet are hanging down and the track is above you. And I remember we waited in this long lineup and there's all this like dramatic music. You know, and, okay, we can do this. I'm cool. I'm cool. My little brother's like stoked. He's like, this is such great. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. And I'm not really feeling it, right? And we pull up to the front and there's a moment where I can choose to walk away or go in and I decide to go in. And I sit down, and I'm kind of like, okay, okay. And then they lock it in on top of you. Oh, my goodness. And then we're moving up this incline. And I looked at my dad, and I said, Dad, I'm going to throw up. And Dad looks at me, and he's like, oh, shoot, here we go. Well, we get up that incline, you guys, and you take off on that thing. You can look it up on YouTube. And you go down, and the first thing you do is a big loop. And then all of a sudden, you do this corkscrew. And then you do another loop. And I went from, <laughs> to, <laughs> See, there was fear, but then there was great joy. And then I remembered that there's a lot of things in life that include those emotions. How about your wedding day? If you've ever experienced that, that day, I have to be in front of all these people, all dressed up. They're all going to be looking at me. And what, what are we going to do? There's this fear, but there's this great joy attached to that day. Or how about the big game? You know, that you know you've got to go play, and you're nervous about it. You're anxious. Man, you're, you're kind of freaking out about this game. But then you know that there's the potential for joy on the other side, and it pulls you through. There's so many things that are in life that are like that. What about bungee jumping? Anybody do that? How about public speaking? Or what about choosing to actually follow Jesus? There's fear and there's great joy. Now, what did they have to be afraid of? I mean, really, what were they afraid of? 
Well, I think partly they were afraid of the unknown. This had never happened before. This was brand new. This is something that they had never experienced before. This was, this was something that was awkward. Maybe for you today, coming to church just felt awkward. It just, it's, it's like a new experience for you. You've never been to a, p- a p- place like this before. There's this fear of the unknown. And you, you know what else there might have been? There might have been this fear that what they had just heard from an angel, even though there was an earthquake and the soldiers fell like death to the ground, there might have been a fear that this is too good to be true. Like, there's no way that this could actually be possible. Could it? But I love how it says it in Matthew because it says says they had fear, which is fear. But then they had great joy. They had great joy. And that great joy was in the hope of Christ's resurrection. See, fear and joy often come together when you're stepping into something new. And the women allowed the greater joy to compel them to move forward past their fear. So this is how we're going to close this today. You guys with me? Here we go. I want to talk to you about four things that these women did that can help us to overcome our fear and to step in to great joy. Okay, here we go. I'm going to give you four. Here we go. Number one, the first thing that they did is they examined the evidence. Matthew 28, verse 6 says, He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. And then the angel says to them, Come and see the place where the Lord lay. So this wasn't just like some whim. It wasn't like the angel's like, Oh yeah, he's not here. Oh, we're going to go look in there. Oh no, no, don't, don't look in there. Just go tell people. No, the angels had nothing to hide. The angels said, Go and take a look for yourself and see if it's real. Go and take a look inside that tomb and see if he's really raised from the dead. And these women, they stepped in to this place to peer at it themselves. And what they would have seen would have been grave cloths lying on the ground in an empty tomb. See, there was evidence to back up their hope. There was evidence to back up their joy. And by the way, there is strong historical evidence that Jesus not only existed, but that he died on the cross and actually rose again as the Bible claims. Church, we don't just follow Peter. I'm just going to read it because he just says it so well. Peter the disciple says this. He says, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This is not just some whim. This is not just like some glee club where we just gather together and get all each other all pumped up. But this is based on a reality. That there is a God. That He loves you. That He sent His Son for you to die on your behalf. And that that Son rose again on the third day. Amen. You know, I think one of the greatest proofs when I look at this would be the lives of the disciples. Three days earlier... None of these disciples were there when Jesus was crucified. Where were they? They were hiding. They were afraid for their lives. They ran. They didn't stick around. And then something happened that radically transformed their lives. And do you know that of the 11 disciples that were remaining, there was only one that died a death of natural causes? All the rest of them gave up their lives to communicate the good news that Jesus had died and had risen again. They were all martyred. 
And there's this, there's this ongoing truth to that. And now today, we sit here today as evidence of that. The church of Jesus Christ that is all around the world is evidence of the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. Amen? So here's my question for you today. Today there's evidence, and it's you and I, it's the church. My question is, if you're a follower of Jesus in this place today, is there evidence in your life? Is there evidence in your life that Jesus rose from the dead? Okay, number two. We're going to move through this quick. We've got some chips to get to. Number two. They listened to the word from heaven. They listened to the word. Matthew 28, verse 6 and 7. The angel said this, He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So notice this, the two women didn't just go in, see the evidence, and then go, <laughs> they stopped, and they listened, and they followed the word of God. They didn't just respond to an emotion. They didn't just respond to an idea. But they got evidence, and then they got a solid word that told them what to do and where to go. You know, the Bible says, it says that uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So my question today for you is, what does the Bible say about us? What does the Bible say about us? Let me remind you. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that all of us, every single one of us, has fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us, has, has, God has this incredible standard, and He is holy. And the Bible tells us that none of us can live up to that standard. And I'm not just talking about people out there. I'm talking about all of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory. That's a term that actually is an archery term, and it means to miss the mark. It's like you've got a target over there. You take a shot, and it goes far below where it needs to be. We've all fallen short of his glory. What does the Bible say? Romans 6.23. It tells us that because of this sin, the wages of sin is actually death. But then it says this, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we have sinned. We have fallen short of his glory. The wages of sin, the outcome of that is death, which is a physical death, but then also a spiritual death, which is separation from God. Who can save us? Oh, wretched man that I am, says Apostle Paul. And then in Romans chapter 5, it tells us, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we were sinners, separated from God, but we are loved. And as evidence of that, Christ died for us so that we can have access to his presence. So that we can be followers of Jesus. And then finally, John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears these words and believes in him who sent me, this is Jesus speaking, has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. We're raised with Christ. We are raised with Christ. So they responded to a word. Not just an emotion, not just a feeling, but they responded to a word. We got two left. Here we go. Next one. Everybody say number three. Just want to make sure you're all awake. 
They stepped out in faith. Matthew 28, verse 8 says, So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples the word. This actually requires us to respond with a step of faith. This message requires us to move forward, to take a step, and to walk towards the promise of God. It's not just us sitting there and waiting, but there's a moment where you need to step out for yourself. You need to step out. Revelations 3.20 says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus speaking. If you hear my voice, open the door, and I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus is standing at your door. He is knocking, and he's waiting for you to take the step to open that door. To open that door. So my question for you today is, what are you pursuing in this life? Now, if there is a God, and if he did have a son who died on the cross for your sins, and if he did resurrect on the third day, then wouldn't that be the greatest thing that we could pursue? I mean, we have a verse in our family. It's written up. You ask our kids, what's your life's verse? What's our family verse, Jansons? Our family verse is Matthew 6.33, which is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you as well. And, and I used to think about this verse that, that what it meant is that if I seek God's kingdom, I'm going to get all these things. These things are just going to come. And that's my secret to life. So I'm going to seek his kingdom and I'm going to get the things. But what I've discovered, church, is that the secret to that passage is actually in the seeking first the kingdom. That's where the joy is. That's where the life is. That's where the peace is. It's putting his kingdom first. You've got to take a step into his kingdom. What are you pursuing? Psalm 27 verse 8, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, Lord, I will seek your face. Come on. Your face I will seek. And here we go, number four. Number four. And I'm just going to invite uh, my, my wife to come up and jump on the keys as we close here today. Number four is when they responded to the call. Then they encountered Jesus. Matthew 28, verse 9. As they went to tell his disciples, remember, evidence, word of God, step of faith. As they left, Jesus met them. And he said, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. See, I love how Jesus not only encounters them, but he addresses the very thing, the very emotions that they were dealing with at that moment. Because the Bible tells us that as they left the tomb, they were full of fear and great joy. And when they encounter Jesus, he says, listen, rejoice. Away with you, fear. Do not be afraid. And he calls them out. But it started with a response. In James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Psalm 34, verse 4 to 6 says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, 
He delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Psalm 16, verse 11, you show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. Church, when we step out, he will meet us there. When we step out, he will meet us there. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, For God says at just the right time I heard you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So just as we close today, I'd like to invite you all just to close your eyes for just a moment. Just bow your heads. Let's just take a quick moment of introspection. Oh, Jesus. 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 See, maybe like these women, you've examined the evidence. You've heard the word. And there's this this fear and anticipation in you. Maybe as you think about giving your life fully to God, maybe as you think about responding to the message today, you might be filled with all sorts of different fears. You might be afraid of what others might be thinking about you. You might be afraid that this sounds too good to be true. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? What? Maybe there's a fear in you to take a step of faith. But I wonder today if you would remember that there is a God who loves you. There's a God who has a plan to protect you and to save you. There's a God who is desiring to draw near, even near to you. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And he's waiting for you to take the step. He's waiting for you to take the step. Today, would you dare to hope? Would you dare to believe? Would you dare to step towards him and take a step of faith? First of all, I want to remind you that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love by dying on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins, which is death, so that today we can have life eternal in him. And the Bible says that he comes that you might have life and life abundantly. So as everybody is closed, just for a moment here, I just want to give a moment. If you're here this morning and you've never heard this message or maybe you have heard this message, but there's something in your spirit right now that feels like some fear and maybe some joy is starting to bubble up in you. and You're conflicted and you're not sure what you're going to do and, and how you're going to step forward, but you say, I got to know for sure. 
I got to know for sure. And I want to know this Jesus that they're talking about. If that's you today, if there's anybody here with every eye closed, please, every head bowed, let's honor this. I'd like to ask you just to raise your hand. Is there anybody here that would like this morning to receive Jesus? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Number two, if you're here this morning and you say, Matt, I haven't really been seeking Jesus. I haven't been going after him. I haven't been pursuing him like I know I should. Oh, man, but this morning I want to make a public declaration. I want to take a stand that I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to go after him. I've seen the evidence. I've heard the word. And I want to respond to this because I know that this is real. And this is life. And I want to live for this. And if that's you this morning, it says, I want to take another step. And I want to pursue Jesus with my heart. If that's you this morning, I'd like you just to raise your hand right now, wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now, church, you can lift up your eyes and you can open your eyes for a moment. And let's just pray together the sinner's prayer. And then we will uh, close the meeting today. Everybody repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I admit that I have been a sinner. And I need you. I repent turn away from my sin and I turn to you. I ask you to come and be my Savior and my Lord. I give my life to you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's give a hand here, church. Death could not hold you. Come on, stand up. Before you, you silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life. Yours is the kingdom, and yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. 
Jesus. 